0: Look, it's something I think about on a very regular basis. I'm like, I don't really know if I'm an artist or not. I mean, sure, i like making things, <laughs> but am I, am, I a, am I a craftsman or am I a craftsman yeah, or am I yeah am a documentarian? It's a good question. And maybe sometimes I make art, sometimes I don't.
1: Welcome to the Fine Fruit a platform, dedicated to discussion an aspiration of art and the creative process. I'm your host, INS, and in this week's episode, I have the chance to talk to the incredible Andrew Worcester. Andrew is a photographer, currently based in Melbourne, Australia. With a history of extensive travelling, Andrew explores the way in which we consider and define the spaces and places around us. He has shot work in many different countries, such as Japan, Italy and France, using photography as a vehicle to document the everyday. I'm going to start where I start with everybody, which you just tell us a bit about yourself and how you became a photographer. Uh, well, I've looked, I've always kind of taken photographs.
0: Um, my I remember being, oh, six years old, and my father owned an advertising agency in, uh, well, we were in lots of places, but we lived in Australia. And he, we went on holidays. We would go to New Caledonia, Fiji, Fiji Rarotonga. And he always had a some sort of camera um, and I sort of very much enjoyed um, Just using taking photos of that, you know, probably weren't very interesting Um, And then a few years later I was living in New Zealand again, my father's business was diverse and He lived in lots of places Um, And he had a very very interesting guy Come and stay with us for a couple of months. His name is Paul Cawley and he was the original chief designer at Saatchi in London. Wow. Um So he worked for Saatchi and Saatchi. Um, he <laughs> worked for Charles Saatchi. Um, and he stayed with us for a couple of months. And he looked I had lots of drawings around. And he was like, you'll be a photographer one day. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. <laughs> Crazy old man. Um, and, like, I mean, that was probably – in the back of my mind somewhere for many years. And I was like, I bought a camera when I was about 15, I was given a camera when I was about 15. And look, I've always carried a camera and then I went to eventually, look, I went to university and started graphic design. Um, I've, I have I did a, I had a regular ongoing um, internship with an artist when I was in high oh. school in Michigan in the States. So we would do like, Three or two, or two, three hours maybe on a weekend, morning or afternoon, and with oil painting. And she took me to my first uh, life drawing classes. Um, so I did lots of life drawing. And then I went to university, studied graphic design and art history, took photography classes there. Um, and look, I knew a few people who were really cool, who were, who were photographers, and they were always a bit of an influence on me. Um, and so it was always just a big part of my process. Eventually I went to Europe when I was 23, 20, oh, 25 actually, and I shot 35 rolls of film in six weeks. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wow. A third of which I lost in Paris because I'd had <laughs> too many I too many came um, <laughs> back, and I I put two of the prints on a wall in a bar here in Melbourne and both of them sold. I was like, oh Oh, my God, that's kind of cool. It wasn't massive amounts of money, but I was like, huh, that's an interesting, that's an interesting, you know, first go out, you make a good chunk of cash. I'm like, oh, this is fine. Okay. And I had been tired of being stuck in my painting studio at that point. I had a studio where I paid about 200 bucks a month and shared with a bunch of people and like, felt like I was kind of endlessly repeating myself. Um, and that thing of Paul Colley going, you'll be a photographer one day was always in the back of my mind. So I pulled out these, all these hundreds and thousands of prints. I was like, all right, so I made that in Paris or Venice or Berlin or Rome or whatever. I'll just start, keep on doing it. And so I started making pictures here in Melbourne. Um, this is pre digital. Yeah. Um, so I'm shooting film, shooting lots of Ilford film. Uh, yeah, mainly black and white but also colour stuff, um, buildings, architecture um, and then that was just before the digital revolution and I'd say like within 18 months I bought a DSLR which obviously changed the whole process and then it's kind of kicked on from there and I kind of kept on doing little exhibitions, little bits and pieces but very much sort of based on architecture um, urban scenes um, and then eventually I kind of got into I bought some lights about eight ten years ago and started shooting portraits um, and you know now I've shot portraits for politicians the um, wow. ministry bodies um, all the of like and then during COVID it was like all right can't make pictures of things I like books I like I studied graphic design This is where the photo books now thing came from. So I kind of kicked that off. And um, yeah, that's, that keeps me quite busy um, in a good kind of way. I've had three pretty big people. Well, I've had three submissions in the last week of people who want to produce books. Uh Um, One guy who's been published in the wall street journal and a whole bunch of cool stuff, which I have to keep hush hush, but We'll hmm. sort out some legal contracts and release the information when we can. Um, but it's just a, it's what keeps me
1: alive, you know? Yeah. Keeping busy, keeping doing stuff, keeping, just kind of like creating more projects for yourself. But also what I like though, and we'll get into it much later about the photo books, but like I like the fact that you're giving back to other people as well as just doing stuff for yourself. I benefit from the
0: whole process because my name is on the website. And, yeah. But like I also, you know, people like, democratization of media over the last however many decades has been. It means that like if you have the time and the wherewithal to make it happen, you can do anything. Like yeah. you know, the first books I made, which is that don't actually exist anymore because they were done on print on oh. demand. Um, so that's this was done in I did it through Blurb, which was expensive and crazy and but fairly good quality. Like there's like 15 of these around the world which is just kind of cool whereas yeah. then you know it's like trying to rationalize things further down from a money perspective yeah. um and with like this is the more most recent one coastal. which is a coastal book um and then there's the preceding one from that which is a suburban book um and then there's another one which i'm just about to finish in the next hopefully six weeks or so which is the urban book and then like, and you you look at that, which is hardcover, you know, dust cover, all the rest of it, to smaller, lighter, yeah. much easier to move around. Like, yeah. you got to yeah. have different products. Like any business, I suppose you got to have a lot of different product levels. Yeah, of course. Uh, and so, like, you know, you can make one of those for 15 bucks. Mm. Um, whereas the other ones they cost 30 bucks each to make so you just got to figure out how to kind of make it all fit together
1: yeah I think it's such a good idea such a, but the thing is that it, it must be like a lot as, as you've already said like it's a lot of work though because it's not just oh yeah just send me some images it's like we need to plan this we need to think about this we need to you know do the whole selection process the artist has to be happy with the book itself and the work itself yeah yeah
0: I mean I send out. You know, you get to a certain point of of the design process, and you send out a PDF to every single contributor. Yeah. Uh, every single person will come back to you with notes, yes. uh, and a lot of them are just like subjective observations. Yeah. Um, I was just like, "I'm really pissed off about this." Uh, yeah. And but it's so like, you got to find a way to make all the different bits and pieces work together. But I have friends that help me edit. Um, yeah. so like I've each, pretty much every book will say, look, you know, this person helped me edit it. Um, sometimes it's my mom, even at age forty-five, because she's, hmm. you know, she's she's got perspective on things, and she's not a photographer. Absolutely, or a yeah. Absolutely. Um, and she's like, sometimes it's like, we'll look at this like this. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. She has corporate world experience, but doesn't have creative experience. Yes.
1: Um,
0: so finding a way to fit all the like looking at different audiences and what
1: have you is it's 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 really complicated, but it's fun. It's a good challenge, you know yeah that sounds like a challenge it's something that I would love to do in the future as well this idea of creating photo books or just the idea of creating something physical I think like photography photographers rarely ever print their work and I think we need more like physical work from photographers like I I actually attended an exhibition yesterday over in Tamworth um with a photographer called T-Worth I don't know if you know her work
2: Um, she's
1: actually she's in my newsletter next six or eight weeks Perfect, yes. I saw an exhibition yesterday in Tamworth because the last day I thought I'd hop on a train over. Uh, and it's nice to see a photography exhibition. It made me think, like, we need more exhibitions for photography. We need to kind of, I don't want to say, like, elevate it because I don't think it's necessarily elevating, but I feel like we need to kind of put more emphasis on, like, photography as art, I think. I mean,
0: I have I have a, an archive of prints, which I've been printing for, oh, just of my own stuff, which I've been printing for about 15 years. Wow. Uh, and I don't do them all the time. Look, I've in the last year or so I've kind of chosen to not work full time. So I'm pretty bloody poor. But I'm building something out of it. And like people yeah. are coming to me now to produce books. Um, yeah. still not making any money, but I feel like on the right track in the right time with all the various yeah. things that I do, it will come it will come together. And I don't like I don't do it to make money. I do it because I love it. Um but the money yeah. would be nice. hundred like, percent. Like I mean there's the, yeah looking at so one of the things that I'm working on right
1: now is incredible guy in Blackpool, Nick Parkworth. Absolutely. Absolutely adore his work. I was gonna meet him when I was in Blackpool, we didn't get around to it, but he's an absolute wonderful guy. Um, so we are in the process right now of finishing a final selection.
0: Um and I'm modeling, I'm looking at printing. Look, I've, I've basically got an idea of how I want the book to look. Um, and in the next, say, six weeks, I will, like, just put quotes out there and then begin to design the book itself. Um, yeah. and it's just that, like, I've known him since we were on, we've been on Flickr together since what? when I was there, 2005. Um, oh, okay. Um, and i feel like i met him pretty early on um so i've known his work for a long time hmm. uh, and you know there's one or two other people who i'm in the same sort of rum with i just believe in their work and they deserve
1: an audience and that's kind of you know that's the process yeah. so how long does it actually take from like say somebody <laughs> reaching out to you to submit to actually having a final book done
0: i have a friend who's a pretty senior consultant in ey. Um, and he's like, you need to gauge your time. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I need to get one of those apps where I know where, I'm, when, I, how long I'm working in this app or that app for my computer. Yeah. Um, look, the initial stuff is a couple of weeks, um, of like sporadic work, like two, two hours a day. Then there's, like a lot of stuff, you leave it alone for a little while. You do a bit of a cull. Um, I feel like the last process is probably a 45, 50-hour kind of thing because you're yeah. looking at perfecting things, removing imperfections. Um, and despite, I mean, they're good quality books, but they're still not like a friend of mine, Dan, who was in the first Suburban book. Yeah. He's like, you could take all of the images and adjust the toning so every the tone of every image is matched across the hundred and twenty odd pages, yeah. um, which like I totally get that, but that that's another whole level of things. And like I I almost take pride on the fact that I do it entirely myself. So it's like oh absolutely the one man show. I mean I have amazing yeah. people that help me out in some respects. Um, my friend Sarissa helps me with the newsletter. Um, there's other people that just give me creative you know creative criticism and there's business advice and there's other stuff um but it's my thing you know um which i'm trying to which is why i'm trying to figure out a better workflow
1: um yes. a better way to figure it out and to be able to make more things um yeah 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 like as somebody who does something that takes a long time by themselves i definitely can relate to that like it's it's a case of like, you want to make sure that you're doing something really well, but also that it's doing to your standard because then you're putting your name on it at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the entire, like you get it with what you get to the website and
0: it's like, it's an extension of me. Yeah. Um, at some point I was like, maybe I start another brand and like cut of off from me. But like, I feel like part of the thing is about me. A, a, a lot of these people I've known and built relationships with. So yeah. it's important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's a great endeavor. And I'm really looking cool forward to seeing what you do with it and where it goes. And I'm very much looking forward to the Nick book. I think I'm really gonna keep my eye on that. I feel like I really want to buy it. So uh, I'm very, very interested in seeing how that turns out because it's gonna be really, really good. Like really good.
0: As I said, he's he's a he's a real oh, his stuff's incredible. Blows my mind. I'm yeah. um, gonna have another another man, uh Derek Savile, who's in Dublin. Yes. Um I'm um, working on his stuff as well. Um, And he actually gave me, he presented an entirely designed book. Oh, wow. Um, So I need to meet up with him. It's been a little while since we've chatted, but um, hes we need to just decide on paper stuff. So that, like, hopefully there'll be two, three books coming out in the last third of the year, which is a bit hectic, but that's fine. Um,
1: That's good, though. I bet it's nice for you to see, like, everything finally complete and done, and it's out there and it's physical, and you can actually hold it in your hands. It's it's a, such a high. It's crazy. Like I look I mean I have a
0: stack of my own books here that I've made over the years and hundreds of my other books that I've bought over the years. When you can like I mean I actually got I built some good relationships and got these first Photo Books Now book into my favorite bookstore in Melbourne. Wow. Uh, actually cool. won they actually won World Bookstore of the Year a few years back. Uh-huh. um and so like the, i built that right, right
1: relationship and i could go in there and see that book that i made on their
0: shelves it's cool wow.
1: that's cool so that's really cool and i think actually yeah, like the distribution of the books is it a case of you putting them into bookstores or is it a case of like to print on demand look
0: what i've been what i've done generally is so the first the suburban book i did Thirty copies or 50 copies i can't remember um the coastal book i did 70 copies um because i mean obviously when you're printing things the higher your volume the better the margins are of course Uh, um and i was quite lucky that with the coastal book one of the contributors bought 20 copies and i give everybody a copy who's involved um but he bought more on top like 25 or something copies on top Fair enough so that 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 was like 80% of the cost of production, Hmm. the actual just in costs. Um, So, I mean, it's a very complicated, well, not complicated. It's just like it takes money to produce them. So either you ask for the money or you just
1: produce the money yourself. Uh, Yeah. um, Yeah, that's the thing. Because the thing with printing books especially is like there's a huge upfront cost, particularly trying to sell them as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, and then I sent, I, I actually have this package sitting here on my desk which has been, I like one of the other contributors. Again, I give them all a copy, but he bought five or six more. Hmm. Um, I mailed it to him in Italy, and Italian addresses are a bit crazy for <laughs> me. And so, like, it came back to me. So, I gotta now I gotta send his books back again. Yeah, if we send it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, that's the tyranny of distance is that where I'm here in Australia, um, and I like, I really need a European or at least North American distributor, because yeah, it's so crazy to get stuff from, particularly with the currency fluctuations and what have you over the last yes. six or eight months. It's insane. Like,
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah, trying to send anything outside of the country you're from is can be an absolute nightmare, especially when it comes to like <laughs> making sure it's tracked, making sure it arrives, making sure that it's not damaged. Absolutely, like, absolutely. I've had
0: I've had a couple of books go to the US and they just been completely destroyed. Um, And you just replace them. You can't argue. You just replace them. It's, you know, it's annoying for the person who's involved and it's annoying for me and, like, yeah. But, you know, you're still making, you make, you know, again, getting those images
1: out of Instagram is awesome. Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like the problem is that we rely a lot on social media to see images. And I think with photographs especially, there's nothing better than seeing your work in print. There's nothing better. As absolutely nothing better, and I feel like we just don't get. I think photographers, especially, don't really get the opportunity to have their work printed enough unless somebody wants to buy a print. Because you know you're not really going to just print your own work necessarily for yourself. People don't necessarily do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I do, I've, I have I do that periodically. It Depends on how how much what I'm you know, how much money I have in my pocket. Um, hmm. I have an amazing company that prints my work in Melbourne. Uh, I've used them for. 15 years um, but there's lots of other companies here as well and I know look I know great companies in the UK and also in the US because I have a good network um, but you know like that's unusual like you, I have a two prints which have cost me 90 bucks to get printed wow. um, and like their archival they will last for decades I can give them to my children or I can Know, donated them to high, my high school or something, but it's, it's a lot
1: of money, you know? So I, think, I think the biggest problem really, actually, with a lot of physical, like, whether it's books or prints, is that it costs a lot of money. But like you have to really have the money to be able to do it. And I think the problem yeah. is that, you know, something like photography, especially in this economy, it doesn't really make a lot of money necessarily, depending on what you're doing. Yeah. I think that's particularly no. for, like, the fine art side where people want to have prints or they want to produce books. I think that's really to yeah. kind of like the issue.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to still trying to find the right way to make make all these things work, and that's where something like sounds like an economics discussion now. But like, I mean, you it's know, so, so like I'm looking at stuff in I'm looking at printing in Estonia or Slovenia or China or uh, I'm mean, printing in the US or the UK is just not really an option. It's definitely not an option. Um, it's 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 a really complicated
1: set of things um I think it's, it's a good thing to think about though because you have to think about the bottom line and you have to think about like and if you want to make this into like a profitable business and not just say like a lot of the things we do nowadays a line are very illusionary because it seems like it's a business but it doesn't mean it is a business just because you're doing stuff you know it's like I look at your photo books now and I'm like you must be making money off that but you're saying to me maybe not really and it's like you will eventually of course I think you definitely will because you have to it's not sustainable long term yeah. if you don't. But the fact that you're not surprises me. Like, absolutely, that like that's the thing. It's not just about oh, you have a book here, buy it. It's like the amount of time and effort that's gone into the whole process of making a book. Because people don't see yeah. the process, they just see the end result. Very much like anything, like art, like art and painting. People just see the end result; they don't see the time put into it. No, exactly. Yeah,
0: painting you know. is a great example. Is yeah. you know, Michelangelo that worked on the Sistine Chapel for how long? I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah um and even van Gogh
1: you know they all worked on it's just stuff goes on forever um yeah because that's the thing so it's like you know when there's a book on the shelf and it's like 50 quid and people are like, oh, that's expensive like that's not expensive at all because you're paying for the time it took to create yeah you know? and then they the also like 50 quid you'll spend that on a game that you're completing in two days yeah there's a book that that's going to be sitting on your bookshelf for the next decade you can always go back to but you know yeah or the, you, the money doesn't you gotta, quite
0: you got to and you lose 50, 50 quid in a few hours. Right. I mean, <laughs> I, stopped, I stopped buying books because I have a lot and I don't necessarily need any more. Yeah. Uh, I have, I went to my storage unit and pulled out like 15 books, which I've kind of forgotten about. Wow. Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, I have the bedroom kind of behind me. Um, and there's bookshelves in there and like, I have this books that I've given to people and yeah. Um, uh, and like I try not to have too many material possessions. I have a camera, a computer, and a couple of lenses, and those are the most important things. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Actually, let's get into your work because otherwise, we're here talking about books for the rest yeah, of the next yeah. three hours, which hey, wouldn't be a bad idea. So, can you describe your work for those who may not have seen it? Uh,
0: I would go for it's very much observational. Um, when I first started making pictures, it was about being kind of abstract. Um, but utilising architecture as a bit of a basis. Um, So it's very geometrical. Um, It's very much about place as well. I mean, most of the things that I've worked on for a long time have have been about, I mean, the first thing I'd go back to is my high street project, which I've worked on for 10 years, like almost probably to the day. Some weeks I'm there every day making the pictures, other times it's like you don't get there for two months. Uh, but one stretch of street, which is about, I don't know, like eight, nine kilometres long maybe. Um, and so I've just kind of documented the evolution of that street. And it kind of went from a lot of post-war immigration, so lots of Italians and Greeks, as we have here in Australia, um, to like, I mean, one of the most high-end restaurants in the city was there. Um, So it's like this interesting sociological study of a place. Um, So an old Greek becomes becomes a hydrotherapy bar or whatever Mm. it might be. Um, And, like, so it's it's really interesting kind of looking at one place and just seeing how it changes over the course of time. That sort of becomes – that's the sort of central focus of what I do. And I've done that in now a bunch of different locations around Melbourne and then a couple of regional cities around outside of Melbourne. And then, you know, I've been to Sydney and Adelaide and Tokyo and New York and lots of other places around the world. And so, like, just going back to the same place and seeing what the effect of passage of time has on a place is, 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 is an interesting thing, you know?
1: Have you ever been to the
0: UK and short images? No, I'm not which is very strange because, as I said, I think before we started recording, yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Um So my grandmother's from Renfrewshire, Scotland, um, and my grandfather was in a um, was a was a kiwi quite high up in the British in the kiwi navy. Um, so they met in London during the Blitz. Um and then my parents, this was actually oh wow. That's my that's my grandmother's house in Scotland. Wow. Uh, um and that print is from April 1932. That's so cool. So, uh, it's nearly a hundred-year-old print. And I pulled it I out of my storage Um so that's like insane. yeah, so um so that um so my great grandfather I had to wank on being about what But my great-grandfather was one of the only people to get a royal cross in World War One and World War II. Oh. Um, so in theory, he's one of the very few people to pull that off. And there's somewhere, there's pictures of, I suppose, King George at hmm. that house. Because oh, wow. he came to just after the war and visited because of my grandfather with or great-grandfather with these things. Yeah, Um, yeah, so, like, I have a – it's weird because my name is Andrew because I had a Scottish grandmother, Um, but I've never been there. I have very close friends that live there and work for – in media and all sorts of stuff. Um, I was actually meant to go have a job in a – big advertising agency in Canary Wharf about oh, wow. 20 years ago, but I didn't have the capital at that time to go and be able to wear those London
1: expenses, you know? Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> this is the thing like London, especially like, obviously London, England, I guess generally, but London especially is extremely expensive. It's, it's obviously very yeah. touristy, but particularly someone like Canary Wharf, which is like a business part of London, it's going to be expensive, like for sure. Mm-hmm. And also, you're not it's actually like, allowed to take pictures in Canary Wharf, which I didn't know until I went ages ago. Really? Yeah. yeah, right. So one day I will definitely get there. I mean, I still have a friend who has a longboat
0: in, in on the Thames. Um, oh,
1: um, that's decent. She
0: sold her. She sold her house here and bought a longboat there. Um, <laughs> wow, houses very a over, very oh. overpriced. Oh yeah. Um, so like I mean. If- I have this crazy connection to that place, but I've never been there. It's weird. I've if really- you ever ever over
1: there, let me know. I'd love to meet you in person. It'd be absolutely wonderful. Oh, yeah, I definitely will. Um I like I've, having said
0: that, I mean, having been educated to an extent in the US, my sister's in New York. Uh, my mom's actually over there right now. Uh, I have lots of friends from university there. Um, Australia's just kind of where I landed, you know?
1: Um, where were you born then? My- I was born in Chicago. Um, oh, in the that's interesting. So why Australia? So, though? Uh,
0: well, my dad was in advertising, um, and he'd like, he'd met my mom in the UK and they went back to the U S and he was like, You just want to go somewhere. that's different. have to get out of here. Um, And so they were just like, my mom was from New Zealand. I think the company, he was one of those big companies he was working for in the late 70s, were like, you can go to Australia. Um, So they went to Australia, Uh, lived in Sydney. Um, Then my sister was born here. Hmm. Then, yeah. I mean, my immediate family was born in three countries.
1: So (laughs) (laughs) That's insane. That's insane. Yeah. Just like, because travel, cause I guess travel is also kind of like a key element to your work. Oh, very much so, yeah. Well,
0: it's it's about place. I mean, sometimes it's going, for me, it's like going to a new suburb I've never been to or Tokyo or Berlin or some state in the States I've never been to. But yeah. And I think that's probably just ingrained in who I am yeah. because of, you know, my dad's family is German. My brother, my mother's family is British. Like, you know, we have like everything. Just feels like it's
1: from somewhere else all the time.
0: Can't, I can't um,
1: See, that's interesting. Because I wonder if it's like there's like a sense of like displacement in your work because you're trying to figure out where you fit in because you fit into so many different places, but you also don't fit into any of them. That's
0: very true. I mean, I remember going to Berlin 20 years ago, and I was like, I got off the train. I've been in Paris. Got off the train in, well, first Dusseldorf, where my family came from, and then Berlin. I was like, I'm home. Hmm. All these people look like my father's family. It uh, also felt quite Midwestern from an American perspective, because there's lots of Germans in that part of the world. But hmm. uh, I mean, I've also, like, I mean, having been in Tokyo, I'm like, oh, man, I love feeling like a complete foreigner, where nobody yeah. looks like me at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my dream location is to go to Iran. And, yeah. and make pictures in Iran because, like, it's just – it's that's an amazing place, you know? Um, or Morocco or what have you. Like, understanding and seeing the world is kind of what, for me, what making what making photographs is, you
1: know? Yeah, but I like that. That's actually really true, though, when I say that. That's actually really true because it's about – is it just about exploring? It's about going somewhere different. It's about kind of putting yourself into a different environment and figuring out how you're going to react to it. I think also, you know, when I spent, we had, you're probably
0: were aware to an extent, but we had some of the most punitive lockdowns in the world mm. during COVID here, and so I don't know what the numbers were, but it was like definitely three, four, five months. Don't go with. Don't go more than five kilometers from your house. Um, you cannot really socialize. Um, so everything was on Zoom. Um, it sort of loosened up a little bit, but like I spent that time, we had a I had a salary replacement for my job so I could stay home and get 80% of my salary it was just dropped in by the government every fortnight or whatever. Um, so I just was like, all right, the morning I wake up, have breakfast, read for a while, go for a walk. And so I just took photographs, constantly of photographs. And there were, like, you know, visual studies of my boring middle-suburban neighbourhood. But it presents something. It presents perspective on the world. And, like, that's yeah. kind of where the photo books thing came from at the same time. I was like, I don't just want to make these photos over and over again. What's the different way to present them? And so finding that, finding a way to make that work is, was fun, you know. Um, and it's a, it's a big challenge because... You know, you have have to have a design evolution, and
1: yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's really entertaining. Like, so do like with your own work. I'm very curious about like how you balance the presentation of your own work. Because if you create photo books for other people, when you go and shoot new work, do you think about how you're going to present it before you shoot it, or do you think about it after?
0: No, I have like I have a huge, unlimited. Well, I have a big Dropbox account. And basically, I have month, year and month archives. And I, anything I finish, I export as a high-res TIFF and then a low-res JPEG and I yes. upload them, kind of forget about them. And then I spend, sometimes I just spend an entire day going through an online archive and going, all right, that fits with that, that fits with that. This um, is geographically somehow. Um and then, like you, t- you can download an entire folder and then go. All right, that's this, and then you throw it into an InDesign document. And yeah, it's a, it's a it's a weird kind of process. But like, I like I basically don't leave my house without a camera, and haven't done for the better part of twenty years.
1: See, that's a good idea. That's actually a piece of advice someone gave me a long time ago. Was like, don't leave, don't don't go outside with that camera because you're that's all, yeah. you're always you're always going to see something that you're going to want to photograph.
0: Your phone doesn't count. Like
1: um yeah.
0: a camera which has I mean I have I have a I mean I have a couple, two, three cameras, but like it has weight in my bag. And like mm. there's a camera in my bag. Yeah. I won't Use it, you know. Yeah. Like I mean what I do at the end of like the beginning of a lot of my work days is I go I get I take a tram eight, seven or eight kilometers, um and am like in Melbourne, we've had a crazy population explosion. The government's been building a bunch of train lines. And so one of my walks from getting off the tram to my place of business is walking along a street which was dug up, and they dropped six-ish stories underground. And They built in the process of building a underground rail line. Um, oh, that's cool. I've spent the better part of the last... Five, four, five, whatever years, kind of just taking pictures of that, and then I take the photographs, bring them back, edit them, put them in the cloud, and at some point that will become something else. You know, that becomes an exhibition or a book or something. And I'm, look, it might not become anything, but yeah. it's a body of work of a place and a time. It's tied up, and in a couple of centuries,
1: it's 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 worth something. You know? Do you think that you can? Do you think there's such a thing as taking too many images?
0: Absolutely, and like right now, I take a lot less photographs than I've ever taken before. Because mm-hmm. um, I remember, like, when I lost a hard drive or two along the years, and like I didn't even know it was on there. Was that important? <laughs> Doesn't matter. Probably not. Um, but the only thing that really was the only thing that's really important is when your mother. Or your ex-wife asked you for pictures of your kids yeah they're an age i have two kids um and like so like if you don't have that stuff you just want to get more careful about backing your work up and understanding how that works um but like the beauty of digital technology is that you can figure out if you're really interested enough in photography you can figure out how to make it work hmm. from iso to aperture, to all the different things. Like I learned to shoot on film when I was 16. And then eventually I got a digital camera, um, but I knew the numbers and the ratios and how it all worked. Um, That's really important. Like there's gotta be technical nature to it, which is why when you go from having a phone to a real camera,
1: that's when the the real work begins. yeah because it's not just a case of point and shoot you don't just unless obviously unless you're on auto it's not a case of point and shoot because as a photographer and i think a lot of people don't realize you make a lot of decisions before you press the show it's not just oh, a case of you taking an image it's looking at the where the light
0: is or you know what what's going on what's might be it's it's foreseeing things coming in and out of the frame or you know there's, there's so many decisions um
1: you know, I think patience is one of those things that every single time I go out and take pictures, I forget that you need. Because, like, oh, I yeah. always forget. I was because I was out yesterday when I saw this exhibition. I took my camera and I thought I'd wander around Tamworth for a few hours to take pictures. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like I forget, even though I've done it for a long time and I've done it for at least a good decade. It's like I forget how much patience you need as a photographer, because yeah. especially if, especially if you're shooting images that you want to be empty without people in, especially in cities. Yeah. It can be very hard because you have to be patient you have to make sure people aren't getting in your frame you have to make sure you're going at the right time of day you're making you have to make sure that you are you know you're being safe especially and actually how do you make sure you're safe when you're out and about shooting actually i
0: don't know i mean i grew up in having grown up in the us um where there's like when i went to where i went to university in savannah i was actually i had a gun put to my head for 20 bucks oh, uh, <laughs> that's so good. um I was relatively recently assaulted by a very aggressive Irish dude. He just punched me in the face for no reason. Oh. There was the first 25 years of living in Melbourne where there was an issue. Hmm. Um, like, I don't feel like safety here is a thing, um, purely because there's a lower population density. Hmm. Definitely in the UK and 100% combination of population density and guns in the US. Yeah. Um, like, here is different. Um Probably if you're not male, might be more complicated. Hmm. Um, for me, I'm, like, I'm six foot three. I weigh nearly 200 pounds. I'm not a small guy. Yeah. Um, most people will not fuck with me.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but I completely understand a lot of other people, if you're not my size or my general appearance, that like, yeah, there's stuff down here. I mean, as I said, I got assaulted. but. You gotta be, you just gotta be switched on. Um, but I also yeah. like the really, I really like the empty spaces. Like mm-hmm. I love being in, like I lived in the inner city for years, um, and I kind of love that. But I, I now I kind of love, the, like I love the suburbs. Um, yeah. The weird emptiness that you get, being able to wander around and see nothing. Um, there's something weirdly charming about it, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it's because people, are,
0: like, people like Todd Hido, who's a major yeah, inspiration for of course. me. Or, or Jeff Browse is another one. Like, there's so many people who have milked that for decades. And, like, those are the books that I own. That's the stuff that I love making, you know.
1: I think it's interesting because I feel like it's about, like, I take it kind of like, I think because a lot of the, the photographers and a lot of photographs that I'm very much drawn to are very much the things that I shoot. And I'm always kind of curious that, yeah. like, do you think that, particularly in terms of, like, um, gentrified cities that are empty, do you think that's overdone now? Do you think that there, we need to find a way to create oh, the same I, imagery?
0: I think you're probably right. Like, I mean, you can look at, I mean, having grown up in Michigan States, like, you want to Google Detroit, hmm. whatever, like, the amount of photos that have been taken in Detroit or Williamsburg for that matter, or probably parts of London would be the same, definitely hmm. parts of you know, lots of other cities. Like, yeah, and this is why maybe I've started, maybe I went back to doing some graphic design stuff. Hmm. Um, you know, there's like, I mean, I love taking, I love doing portraits as well. So it's like, I did some portraits for, let's just say some politicians and some, like a theater group and, you know, like that's another way of just making pictures. Um, it's another extension of creativity. Um understanding light and a completely different way of working is it's it's really interesting. Um and you think of yeah, portraits are an incredible thing. Like they take it, take a, take I have I take a portrait of my friend Dan, who's in my suburban book. Like we've assisted each other on stuff over the years. Mm. And like, yeah, we we get fatter, we get thinner, we get less hair, we get like gray hair, we get like and, like, that process of documenting people and and places
1: over time is really interesting. Yeah, because I think a lot of photographers I know who are really, really, really awesome photographers have never shot portraits. Yeah. And it's interesting I mean, for me. I've only done it in the last six years. And I'm, you know, 45. So, like. I feel like people find it very daunting. Because it's because there's more uncontrollable variables. Because obviously, with people who might change their mind, they might not be interested, they might be having a bad day, they might not like the yeah. work. Whereas, in like if you take a picture of a city street, it's not going to say no,
0: no, exactly. I mean, I've taken photos of people, um, and they look eventually, they've, they've, they've gone, all right, cool, we're good, we'll sign off on it. But I've gone back to look at them a year later or five years later, and I'm, I can't do anything with that hmm. if they're happy fine but i can't like my vision and also the technology i use and my, the way that i shoot whether i edit has changed so dramatically since then that i can't do anything with it
1: um so urban environments an environment, the city streets are kind of like a large focus of your work so what is it about the city specifically that inspires you
0: um i think i lived in very boring american suburbia for a long time Mm -hmm. um and felt very far away from Chicago and New York or and going oh and my mom who I was staying with obviously was living in in what was new first suburb outside of the city and so I was like well so I hadn't been to Europe at that point being in New York or lots of other places were a bit of a distant memory and I was just like well this is a good sized city Mm -hmm. it was what three million people but now it's six million people so that Watching a place evolve over the course of time is really interesting. Population demographics, um, architecture, all the different things. Like I think my, you know, my father and like lots of people in my sort of genetic history have been architects um, and engineers and what have you. And I feel like I, the first thing I ever did work-wise was do a. An uh, internship in an architecture firm when I was in Michigan oh. um, for, it might have been a week might have been even less than that um, and the built environment is a really big concern for me um, you can't really put a finger on it why it's genetics to an extent but um, it's just, it's fascinating um, and we went, Melbourne here went from zero apartments in the city 35 years ago, to a population of 75,000 people or plus
1: in a pretty small uh-huh. area. Um, so, like, watching that happens, is, is interesting, you know? Yeah, because I think one thing that I've always, that I always really hated until actually probably the last few years is the idea of, like, cities rebuilding themselves. Like, here where I live, the university has become such a popular university that obviously they've rearranged the whole city just for the university, which is kind of yeah, interesting right. to see. Like, it's, it's horrible in one way because the buildings are hideous, but another no another no side is actually really nice because the city's completely changed now how it was, say, like, five, six years ago. And it's, yeah. it's interesting, and it's kind of interesting to see that happen, to see kind of the growth and the change of a city in a place that you know very well. Kind of, because it changes your memories of the place as well. Oh,
0: completely. Like, when I go to, like, there's a neighborhood I've been hanging out in, in Melbourne called Fitzroy. Um, when I go to there now, I don't even recognize it. Yeah. Uh, my friends who've left um, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago whatever and like I was taking a photograph of the store they used to work in <laughs> and it used to be you know like a kind of ridiculous very much of their time raver store and now it's the like a fucking whole grain place that's yeah. not like involved. is <laughs> <000 laughs> a quinoa you know <laughs> yeah uh, and so like that kind of but that can also run across Berlin, Tokyo, New York, London. Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, there's something really universal about the, the way that our city and our world is changing. And I can't always put my finger on it, but that's kind of what I'm looking at
1: with my own ph- photography. That's what I'm looking at really capturing. Yeah? No, so that's kind of interesting. So it makes me think about like economical changes and the way in which they're like a place might be um, really rich and then suddenly like, it's really poor and then how do the shops and the surroundings change because of it particularly when like shops close down for instance and, and stuff like that actually now you said that i'm gonna i feel like i need to document my city a lot more um that's interesting actually no because like, now i think about it it's interesting because where i live is it now you said that i'm thinking about it now like, where i live is is definitely going through a huge change at the minute in terms of like a lot of places are being knocked down and a lot of places are empty and it's kind of yeah. interesting to think about that in terms of like well, what comes next yeah, because you know, because like, why is a city without a city center? You know? when you end up with a place like Detroit,
0: as an example for me, I mm-hmm. spent a bit of time there as a teenager, um, and you went from producing and lots of Amer- like lots of British cities are the same steel yeah. towns yeah. up north, uh, where they went from producing most of the world's steel to doing nothing. Hmm. I think Sheffield's yeah. probably a really good example. Maybe Birmingham, Birmingham. Um, yeah. probably Manchester as well. Um, like This is like the Rust Belt in the States. The UK does very much the same thing.
1: Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because the city I'm from Coventry, it used to be uh, really big for Jaguar Land Rover and production of cars. Of course. Yeah. Whereas, now it's not. Or well, it is, but not in the same way, definitely not at all in the same way. So it used to yeah. be very industrial, like say like you know, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, whereas now it's kind of almost becoming a ghost town at this point, I guess, more than anything right now. Yeah. you yeah. probably
0: have been I can mean, imagine that from being in Detroit, where they used to make all those cars, and now they make really nothing. Yeah. Yeah. That, if, if Jaguars are made in Taiwan or Korea exactly. or somewhere. Yeah. Um, and you know, this is the same I mean in in Melbourne we in Australia we don't actually even make cars anymore cuz wow. Holden which is the original car company in Australia has been retired by GM because they bought it 20 30 years ago whatever. Uh, Ford doesn't produce cars in Australia anymore which they've done for 60 70 years. Um we don't have manufacturing here like the UK, you know.
1: Oh that's um, interesting. So that's yeah. interesting because I'm always I'm always really fascinated by and I was talking to you about the day uh, industrial estates. I think industrial estates are really fascinating because like oh, yeah. these like these like small buildings or like they're always on like the outskirts of towns that actually probably run cities, but like they're yeah. they're what they're creating is is kind of like integral to the city itself. But they're never actually within the city. They're always on you know some kind of weird outskirt. There's something it's about like, that I really like. Yeah, they're five or ten miles out of the city. Yeah, there's something about um, that I really like that kind of. Interesting parallel. The fact that yeah. what's running the city is something that you don't see. Yeah. Like so about interest like, really interesting
0: well, it's like I mean, if you think about a place like I don't know, think about being in Piccadilly or Mayfair or somewhere in London. Hmm. Um and then like most of the people who run those hotels and bars and pubs and whatever, they're gonna live out in the sticks somewhere. They're gonna get on the yeah. tube, they're gonna come in. They're going to do the job and then go home again. Uh, And the people who make the decisions, they're the people who can afford to live in Mayfair or what have you. And then that's the the combination of economic perversity, I guess is a good word for it, Um, really crazy things. in New York is the same. And I imagine Japan and certainly China would be the same. Um, but yeah, it's like, and that's what photography is for me is sociological, hmm. you know? looking yeah. at the way that is around us and going, how, what, well, why, what is this? Yeah. I mean, I don't have to make any conclusions, but it's still, it's there and you can at least go, this is what I see. Other people can make those conclusions about
1: it. You know? So what can we learn about ourselves from looking at images of the environment? Well, that's a good yeah, that's. I love that. Um, well, we can definitely
0: learn what we were, going back to being in Melbourne again, because that's mainly what I know these days. Um, and so Melbourne has the biggest collection of Victorian architecture in the world. Oh, wow. Because London and most of the UK was destroyed during the war, whereas yeah, we were not. Um, Sydney's the same, because Melbourne and Sydney are older again than the rest of the country. Um, But we're definitely, it's an opportunity to look backwards um, and see what we used to be. Whereas when you go to, having been to Berlin, nobody wants to look backwards because that shit was fucked up. And like I remember, like, I haven't been there in 20 years, but I remember seeing what used to be the Stasi headquarters Mm. in central Berlin had been literally wrapped around and ignored. Since the fall of the wall in 89, it was more than, it was about 20 odd years since I've been there in between. They just boxed it up and forgot about it. Now it doesn't exist anymore. Hmm. Uh, as we here were able to look at the history, at least our colonial history, a hmm. better way. And so we can, yeah, we were able to process what we've done. Um yeah, I don't know if that's quite right, but yeah. We have yeah. a we have something we have something pretty special here, which a lot of the rest of the world doesn't have. Um I mean like going back to my dad with the advertising agencies in the eighties, like he had offices in St Kilda Road, which is one of the big roads out of the city. Now it's entirely skyscrapers. Um, and the big companies were able to change the postcode with the government to include one road coming out of the city to have the city postcode of 3,000. Wow. Um, so my dad had offices on this road in the 80s as an advertising director or advertising company owner, but now none of those old houses, which are kind of like, Post gold rush, they don't exist. Wow, yeah, it's a six, six or seven kilometre stretch of road, which is now just full of glass towers. Which is fine because it's twenty first century. But we lost all this architectural heritage. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: No, that's actually a good point. The idea of like, that's actually not something I've thought about, which sounds silly. But like the idea of like history and how actually photographs act as like a time capsule in terms of I mean- like. Like yeah. you can pull images from your archive from, you know, like twenty years ago. And the world would be yeah. a, an incredibly different place.
0: Yeah. When I have there's a photograph I have um and I have it printed huge, like twenty-four by thirty-six inches huge. Wow. Uh it's in my storage unit. I took it from the Fenster Turm in Berlin. In the center center of Berlin. Um, and it is almost exactly twenty years old because I was there wow. in like October. October 2003 uh, but like the photograph that I took was of old communist block apartment buildings and um, they built all this stuff up close to sort of push their ideas of of their you know the ultimate society on the democratic governments on the outside um which anna funda writes about in her book Stasi Land, which is about 20 years old as well but like oh know you can use all this stuff on lots of sociological and political kind of levels if that makes sense hmm. the way the, the way you make pictures really like i mean i can document what i'm what's happening in this city right now
1: and it'll play into politics and all sorts of other stuff uh, oh yeah absolutely i think the interesting thing is is that we forget actually how i'd like cities are even though they're very different
0: yeah oh uh, completely like um and i think australia and the uk there's very much a tie-in because of those things because yeah. obviously there's colonial history and all the rest of yeah. it um australians might like to complain about the uk but they still voted for a to remain a part of the to remain a part of the uh empire
1: 20 odd years ago and that's
0: Mm -hmm. never changed again
1: Um, yeah because it's it's interesting how like past history and politics especially always feed into the way the city itself changes and develops and then obviously that will impact you and your work because you're documenting that and like do you consider your work to be documentary
0: Oh yeah, I've always looked at something I think about on a very regular basis. I'm like, I don't really know if I'm an artist or not. Hmm. I mean, sure, I like making things, Hmm. but am I I a craftsman or am I a craftsman or am I a, yeah, or am I a documentarian? It's a good question. Um, Maybe sometimes I make art, sometimes I don't, you know? (laughs)
1: Um, Yeah, because I'm always interested, because I've always felt just for as an observation as somebody who looks at a lot of, of art and a lot of photography is that I feel like yeah. particularly when it comes to like American photography and British photography I feel like Amer- a lot of American photographers I know like to have narrative work but a lot of British yeah. folk I know like to have kind of observation documentary work I think it's yeah. the idea I've always been kind of curious like like how do you take an image that both tells a story and is also a, like a documentarian or documentary type image because it's like I don't know, like narrative, like narrative photography, especially is a huge kind of buzzword. The idea of something being cinematic, especially, for instance, is it kind of like quite trendy? But also at the same time, like there's a reason for it being trendy, or like there's a reason that people are drawn to that kind of imagery. It's like for you and your work, especially, because you know, there are times where you shoot, say, like at night, for instance, like how do you make sure that your work isn't just like quote unquote trendy, or it's not just kind of appealing to the masses?
0: Well, I why are there people in your pictures? I'm hmm. like, I don't want to take people pictures. Um, now I make portraits and I love making portraits. Oh. Um, but like, I don't want to. Sometimes, like, you can have lots of, like, there's lots of musicians who made, I don't know, this is going to make me sound like a bit of a jackass, but like, and Dave Grohl. So hmm. he was in Nirvana. He was in the Food Fighters. He was also in Probot, which is like a thrash metal thing. Hmm. Like, he just loves music. And if you want to yeah. watch something like this, there's a documentary he made a bunch of years back uh, called Sound City, which was like made about one studio in LA where like it's been around for like 60 years. And he's like, Nirvana made a record there, and Food Fighters made a record there, but so did like, Blondie and Fleetwood Mac and like a whole bunch of really random people made albums there. So it's like just because you're doing this thing, like there's lots of different forms inside of that thing which can you can explore. Yeah. If it's, I mean, look, I've I've got a collection of like four beer cans on my front thing over there. because so yeah. Just like I want to learn how to make still life photographs. Yeah. I like beer. Um, I have a bunch of lights and some flashes and things. I'm going to, like, we're going to do some, like, learning and make some photos of the beer cans. Sure. Um, and, like, you know, eight, nine years ago, I was like, I want to make photos of people just because I haven't done that before. Yeah. So it's six or something, you
1: know. it's so about challenging yourself, um, doing something different.
0: Yeah. Um, look, I can go out there and, like, I mean, a bunch of years ago, I remember having – I wrote this in that email. That I responded to, but I, I remember, like, as a, f- a friend that I was, you know, we'd regularly have coffee. We'd drop our kids off to have to after, at school drop off. We'd go and have coffee. Um, one day, I had nothing on after the coffee. I was like, all right, I'll just keep on going. So I spent like seven hours walking and photographing things. Hmm. I got home, edited all the photos, kind of batch processed them in Lightroom. And within two hours of that, I literally had ordered a photo book which I'd made. Wow! So I, des- I produced, designed, and then executed the photo book in fifteen hours, maybe wow. less. And I have that sitting in my—it's somewhere around here. I don't know where it is. Wow! That's but so it's cool. like, yeah, being a little bit like you can't be too precious about stuff. You gotta gotta yeah. like mess around, experiment, yeah. and like what was probably 10 years ago. I should probably do that again. Um, yeah. But like just coming up
1: with stuff and doing
0: it, not being too precious about ideas and enjoying enjoying what's going on.
1: See, that's really funny because I've spent this year so far going to a different place every month to shoot images and I've got no idea yeah. what I'm doing with them yet. This is the problem. They're all sitting on my hard drive waiting for, to be edited. Honestly, if you can come back to them in six months or 12 months or whatever, yeah. and make something yeah, because yeah. my, my plan is to make a photo book um, or my plan is to give myself some projects that I can work on because otherwise yeah. I'll just shoot images aimlessly forever, which is cool. But yeah. I'm also like, I want a project. So it's like, I've got a few projects in mind. It's just, I like the idea. And actually, I like the idea of long-term projects. This is what I like because yeah. I think we live in a society that expects you to put stuff out every single day or always be creating new work or always be doing something. And I feel like sometimes that doesn't give you the the, uh, ability to be able to assess what you're doing.
0: No, absolutely. Like, you're going to get a bit of space from what you're making. Um, I mean, like, I'm really bad with passwords and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, About it was probably beginning of the year, kind of end of last year, beginning of this year, I lost access to my original Instagram account. Didn't have massive amounts, but it was like hmm. two, two and 2,500 followers. Okay. Gone. The The email address, which I created to, like, to create the account was gone. It hmm. doesn't exist. Like, so, like, I was like, that doesn't really matter. Whatever hmm. it is it doesn't actually matter. I have all those, well, a good chunk of those images backed up somewhere. Um, and I just, you do something else. Awesome. Like, sometimes you go to Walmart. And you just print out two hundred images at ten cents each. and It's twenty bucks. And you're like, cool. I got it. It's fine. It's all that really matters. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's probably why, well, probably why I need another storage unit because um, I am yeah. so obsessed with making prints of things. Um, but like getting stuff off that screen. I'm tired yeah. of my phone. Runs yeah. my life. Like probably most of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's it's also how I run the businesses and how I make things yeah. kinda of happen, you know?
1: Yeah, like it yeah, it's kind of it's hard because you have to have a balance of like you want to see a work in front of you physically, but it's also like to be able to do that, you need to spend your phone to make the money to do that.
0: Until recently I've had a full time other job outside of photography. Mm-hmm. Uh and like it's it's kinda of killed me. It's cost me probably a whole lot. Um but like, you know, I'm begin- I've explored things. I mean, I've been making, the last six months, I've been working for a guy who do demolition. So I've been making time lapses of demolition. Wow, um,
1: that's so cool. So, yeah, like it's small scale stuff, but like. That's cool though, that's really cool. Yeah, And also, uh, if it's a, a nicely with just kind of the overall themes of your work generally about kind of like the changing cities and just the idea of documentation. Yeah. It's kind of nice, even right. if it isn't necessarily planned. It's kind of nice. It's still in your interest.
0: Yeah. And like, I just saw an ad in a kind of cool creative group that I'm a part of here in Melbourne, and people I know run it. And now, like, I mean, I work for him. He's actually, you know, getting ready to possibly start a business with him. Mm. Uh, so it's like the way this stuff works is really unknown. But like, I was very much locked into one place at one time. Yeah. Um, and during COVID, I was able to just kind of break out of all that
1: stuff and go, all right, yeah. what's important? That's a good question to ask yourself what's important. I feel like we don't really often get the time to ask ourselves what's important. We don't get the time to chase what's important. And
0: because, COVID, we I, I got that opportunity and lots of people did. But whatever you whatever
1: they did with that was another question. I know what that's I had true. to do. That's know? very true. That's very true. I think COVID, particularly for artists, obviously, obviously it wasn't always the best time for a lot of people, but I think for for quite a lot of people I know, especially, COVID was a very useful time for the amount of time they were given to be able to focus on one thing? I mean,
0: like, Australia was quite lucky. I don't know I don't know so much about the UK, but we were able to, um, you know, my salary was entirely paid um, yeah. for, I don't, don't know how long it was, but it was paid for a good chunk of time. Hmm. Um, so I was able to, like, either go to work or not. And so I spent a huge amount of time just looking at stuff and thinking about things. And uh, so I'm trying to just, that that's one of my paintings that I made
1: oh, wow. many years. Ago. Well, so actually what kind of painting did you do? So what was your subject matter? Uh, it was very, it was basically my photographs. So that's interesting to me. Cause I feel like people always go the opposite way. People go from, people often paint from photographs. So it's interesting that you went from painting to photographs.
0: Yeah. Well, I realized that like, as a, a thing I mentioned earlier on about like, going to going to Europe and coming back, putting the prints of things on a wall and then immediately selling them. I was like, wow, that's kind of crazy. Having and again, going back to Paul Coley from Saatchi and Saatchi, uh, like that thing of photography was always in the back of my mind. Like i would had a camera since I was 14. Hmm. I took it away when I was 25. So I had a camera for 11 years. Um, and I still have the camera. The film door is broken and it's kind of screwed and it's from 86, so it just doesn't work. But I have it because it reminds me of something. And so, I don't know, like you just got to be open to stuff. Maybe I'll start painting again one day when I get my little
1: property in the country and have time to sit around and twiddle my thumbs, you know?
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, it's interesting (laughs) though because painting and photography take very different kind of times. Yeah, 125th of a second versus four and a half weeks. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Like, absolutely. That's the thing, because kind of like photography might seem a lot more instant, but I also feel like there's actually a lot more that goes into it behind the scenes as opposed to just like the actual image you see. Because I think with painting, we know that there's a process. With photography, we don't think about that process.
0: Yeah, but you need to like, I mean, I can go out there, like I can look outside right now and look at my street and go, all right, it's two lights. There's no moon. I can figure out some basic exposure stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I can put a, put my camera on a on a tripod, and but it's going to be a bunch of messing around to get just the right exposure, and then I'm going to have to like bring it back in and Photoshop it or Lightroom it or whatever, and like, then you got to like spend two hours going, eh, that's not so good, and you go back and reshoot it again, and you know, like people like it's much harder than you think. Mm. Um, I remember being slightly resentful of people in like particularly in high school who'd come into our art class, you know, I'm just going to take pictures. I'm like, but you don't understand what pictures are because you haven't made a painting <laughs> 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 or you haven't made a sculpture. Like I used to do clay and, you know, all, all sorts of all sorts of stuff. And I was like, people just didn't – like people just come in and just like, oh, I'll just make photographs, which is fine. Can't argue with that. But, but – like. I mean, I've looked at many, many different aspects of visual culture over my decades of life. Yeah. I've done life drawing and I've done pottery and I've done still life photography and portrait photography and I've, band, I've shot bands and I've, like, designed books. And, like, it's just it's – a, it's a world, a you world. Know? Do you think that anyone could be a photographer, though? Yes. But can you make an interesting photograph? That's the real question. I don't really know if I do, but what I will say – Somebody I used to work with in my long standing hospitality job. She we lived in we live in similar neighborhoods. I Obviously worked in similar neighborhoods, but she didn't have any art background or what have you. She's like, Oh, I happened upon one of your photographs of whatever area it was. She's like, I suddenly got it. And she saw that place in a slightly different way
2: hmm.
0: because of the way that I had chosen the light and the cropping and all the other bits and pieces. Um, and, like, I, it was a bunch of years ago I had a friend who was a teacher um, and I took took cameras. I wouldn't they had cameras. We took the cameras into the classroom. Yeah, 15 minutes in a, in a playground. And all they did was take photographs of each other which is what, you know, nine-year-olds do. Mm. And I gave them a 10-minute maybe uh, historical study of 20th century photography from Man Ray to, yeah, like just looking at lots of different styles of photography. And then again we sent them back out for 20 minutes and the stuff they came up with between not, Having any exposure to that art history, to post exposure to art history was fascinating. Mm. Like, like I mean, it's all about how you're educated. Um, yeah. what you see, what you look at. If you're exposed to books, if you, you know, like I take my kids to the gallery because that's important. You know, mm. I mean, they can go see a Titian or a Rembrandt or whatever it might be. Like, nobody should be denied that because we all have, we have that ability to see these things
1: uh, and learn about visual culture. Do you think there's a difference between an image taker and an image maker?
0: Yeah, look, I've, look I look, I get that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I really understand that though. Yeah, okay. Um, because, I mean, I've look, I've, I've spent thousands of hours walking around the streets in lots of cities and lots of countries. Um, but I've also spent lots of time in studios and made photographs of portraits of people and controlled the light. And yeah. it's just a different process. Yeah. Um it's like I'm trying to come up with a it. yeah, it's like there is a difference. I couldn't probably put my finger on it, but it's, there's definitely a difference somehow. Um I guess it's like maybe like going to a burger joint versus going to a fine dining restaurant
1: yeah yeah, yeah. that's that
0: you know you <laughs> gotta got, got get a curry in your local curry place or you can go to fat duck and spend 1900 pounds whatever it might be um yeah <laughs> like and like it's the same basic theory but it all works
1: a little bit differently yeah the end result is the same you get the same thing at the end of it
0: you're still gonna have food in your stomach yeah. you're still gonna have an image in front of you Yeah, but
1: yeah it's not a great idea but maybe you see where i'm going with it you know so what is your creative process like in terms of like do you have any particular routines that help you focus on creating
0: um i mean i spend a huge amount of time listening to music i've spent a lot of time just being in the world but um usually i just have a camera and i'm just shooting stuff um in the last year or two or three i've started um Kind of drawing again, but it's kind of design-based drawing. Mm. Uh, but I mean, music, film, and environment—kind of the three things. So I, I love, I love those things, and that's kind of what I do. And because of most of my photos are very much um, place-based, it's not going out. I mean, there's been times where I've gone or I'm going to go to a place I've never been to before, so I get in a train line and just disappear uh, and go to out of town or a suburb I've never been to before. And just see what
1: happens. Um, It's being spontaneous important
0: to you, though. Yes, but I also like the ability to curate stuff, Hmm. which is where the book stuff comes from, I think. It's like, all right, so let's take 300 images and turn that into 60 really polished things, Hmm. um, which kind of work together as a whole. Yeah, I mean, spontaneity is amazing. I mean, sometimes when you're shooting portraits, you can sit there and shoot. 300 frames in four minutes. But sometimes when I've gone out for walks and shot 12 frames in three hours, Hmm. it's it's all about it depends on how you're controlling the situation. Like if, if I'm in a studio and I can change the light, cool. I can change the light and make it work this way instead of that. Whereas if I'm outside, it's just like literally documenting what's going on around me. Yeah. Yeah, uh, um, and it's funny because earlier today I got up and it was quite dark. I thought I haven't been out and taking photographs in the night at, at night time for a long time. I'm half considering after we finish off just taking a camera and a tripod and going out in the dark,
1: doing some long exposure stuff, um just seeing what happens. So it's finished to say that. I was thinking uh, the same thing. I oh, was so actually, I might go out a bit after this. Actually, cause I'm kind of very inspired to do so right now. <laughs> right. Much of the same, to be fair.
0: Well, just as I said, like I take my camera with me ninety percent of the time, um and you got to be ready for stuff. Yeah. um I've spent a lot of my working life as a very much like I've had to be really social, so I'm pretty anti-social. I have a bunch of friends who I see on a semi-regular basis. Like sometimes I'm like I don't want to. I, I go out in the world. I just like I put my earbuds in. I'm like I'm got the music going and that's the thing. So like when I take focus, when I'm making portraits of people, it's very much a plan. Like I'm going to take this person at this time and do these things. Um, yeah. Like I, I love being, We as, as, as I mentioned earlier, like we had the longest lockdowns in the world mm. and I loved it.
2: Mm.
0: People here look at me like I'm insane, but I'm like, I completely adored it because I came up with, so much stuff, which is where photo books now came from, and it just made me rationalize
1: everything. I think also that's a good point because I think photography, for the most part, is quite a solo pursuit. Like you're mostly yeah. outside by yourself taking images, kind of not being yeah. hopefully bothered by other people. Yeah,
0: and the number of times I've been done, why are you taking a photo of that?
1: Because people just don't get it. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely absolutely particularly if you're standing somewhere like very busy or somewhere that is um yeah. yeah that's just kind of popular or not popular but just kind of populated
0: yeah i accidentally like there was a relatively seedy part of melbourne and like this is probably 15 years ago but I remember, like i remember accidentally taking a photo of a guy buying a porno from across the street and he like yelled at me and flipped me off and i think i got a photo of him flipping me off and i was like it wasn't the plan it just happened yeah you know? <laughs> yeah um now that that store i'm i don't go into that part of town much but i'm 90 sure that, that store has been redeveloped mm. because the station abandoned so it just doesn't exist anymore
1: that's actually really interesting because we forget that things will change i don't have any tattoos
0: but i contemplate if there was a tattoo i'd get Yeah would be things would change i've lived in three countries in like six cities like i've got two i've got two kids from two two different relationships like everything
1: always changes we forget that i think i think that's the thing i think we always forget in our lives currently that things will change you think you always feel like well this i've always felt like where i am now is where i'll always be but that's actually not the case at all that's really not the case
0: I'm mean, going to have the same day job as I had for basically ten years, but hmm. all the rest of my life is changing dramatically around that. It's the only thing which is really the same, apart from human life. Hmm. Ten years ago, um, and I'm able, I've been able to build a whole bunch of other stuff around that, like photo books now, and you know other bits and pieces. And but that's the only thing that's the same,
1: and I kind of love it. Um, is there an image that you regret not taking?
0: Yeah, that's a good question um, I did go an egg and egg I did go an egg at KKK rally when I was in Michigan when I was in mm-hmm. high school it would have been great to photograph then fuck those people mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and I do feel like I missed out on a lot of stuff in Georgia in the states mm-hmm. uh, because when I mean, we're going I was going to university in a pretty poor town. In Savannah, um, and you know we we're all paying crazy amount of money to go to university. Um, and look, I, I was mugged at gunpoint. Somebody put my put a gun to my head for twenty bucks. Um And like not documenting those parts of my life, I kind of
1: regret, but is what it is, you know. Like, yeah, so I always felt up with photographers there's, because obviously for the most part, people kind of go out and plan what they're going to shoot or they're spontaneous, but there's always something that happens that you look back and you're like, I wish I'd taken that picture. There's always something that people, there's always something that people regret not taking. And it's kind of interesting to ask photographers. I remember being in Washington in 2009.
0: Uh, my now ex-wife is doing a PhD, uh, research. And I remember like seeing, uh, was it not not Jack? It was a Kennedy that died around that time. Hmm. Ted, yeah, Ted. Ted Kennedy died, and there was an entire um, military cavalcade going down on those big ave- avenues in in Washington at that time. And for some reason, I took thousands of photographs on that trip, but I didn't photograph that. I don't really know why. Um, that would have been kind of cool because that was definitely like a part of history. Hmm. Uh, and now JFK's daughter is, in the, is the American ambassador to Australia, and so she's quite a. She's often on the news, so like there's kind of that connection, that link back to that
1: stuff. You know?
2: hmm.
1: It's interesting, because it's about a lot of the time, it's about memory as well. In terms of like you remember things because you photographed them, or you remember them because you're there at that moment in time.
0: Yeah, I don't remember being a kid, but I remember the photographs that i have and i've scanned and backed up yeah because i just remember those. they've always been there they've been there for 40 plus years um like that's interesting yeah. like yeah. that's interesting actually my memory is horrendous it's always been horrendous <laughs> um and like, like photos are probably why i try and that's how i remember stuff
1: mm. uh, i was gonna say there's probably a
0: link there then if that's the case yeah yeah right well, I can remember the weirdest facts but don't remember the most (laughs) obvious things. (laughs) So you
1: shoot digital now, don't you?
0: Yeah, I've shot digital almost exclusively since, like, 2009. Yeah, I was in New York in 2009 and shot quite a bit of film, and I have that still. But, I don't know, like, some point after that, my film door broke and my camera was from 1986, and I was just like, meh. I can make amazing black and white photographs from kind of like I start off if I want to make black and white stuff I start off with a Lightroom preset and then kind of go from there. Um, I did a lot of black and white digital for a while because I was given a printer. I was like I don't know how to print color, I'll just make black and white. Cool. Um and I still have that printer but it's but um yeah, it made me want to print things. But, yeah, like totally digital. Like I have a full-frame Nikon. and I have a mirrorless as well. And, you know, like they make cool things, you know. The, the, the ability <laughs> to minimally, minimally manipulate pixels um, and make cool prints is really satisfying.
1: Um, How important is gear, though?
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I try and replace a camera every two years or three years. Um, but I also i am quite lucky. I have a friend who earns a huge amount of a lot more money than I do. Oh. He buys a lot of camera gear and I kind of just buy his pass offs. <laughs> um, so my mirrorless I got for, I don't know, half price. Hmm. Um, I've got a bunch of lenses that are from him. Um, I mean, it's interesting because for a long time, gear was never an important thing. Um, hmm. But now that we rely on megapixels, it is important. Like, the the prints that I can get out of my Z6 are nuts. Um, and, like, the quality and the matching those colours between the screen and the rest of it is, is incredible. Hmm. Um, but having said that, I can print a photograph, I can print some Ilford film from 2002, scan it up to the right degree, and it still will do the same thing. Um, yeah. I just choose to use digital stuff because... The last time I got film developed, it cost me like 50 bucks to get scans and all the rest of it. And I can't be bothered doing it myself.
1: What are your thoughts on the whole kind of like film versus digital photography debate? You know, our film is better because it's like traditional. What are your opinions on that as somebody who's used both?
0: I kind of, I get it. Like I I see a quality in film. Um, As I said, looking at mentioning some of the photos I've taken in Berlin or Paris, Mm. particularly, particularly black and white film. I think, does amazing things I feel that I haven't deliberately made a black and white picture digitally for a long time I suppose because I don't find it as satisfying as I might of film color or sorry as a as fine color stuff so like if I want to make a black and white picture I'd probably just borrow a black and white or borrow a film camera and buy some film. 99% of the photographs that I make now are,
1: are colour. Um, does that make sense? Like that does make sense. Because black and white is something I've just never shot. I just don't shoot black and white images. I just, it's just something that I'm very... I'm not afraid to do necessarily. But I'm also like, I just don't have... I should, I should probably do. It's a challenge I should give myself. But it's also something that I'm very like... I would love to get a film camera and shoot black and white film. I've got a friend who said to me, you should get a film camera. Because I've, I've never really shot film. At least I did when I was at university. But I haven't done it since. How old are you? That's it. So
0: you're, yeah, you're 15 years younger than I am. Yeah. Um, and the first photography classes I took was in 1993 when I was born, or maybe 94 ish. <laughs> uh, I took it. So, like, that's like, that was the only option. Yeah. I mean, the first digital photography I did was in, this goes to show where I came from in the US, but we had a Mac with Photoshop okay. in our art class. Wow. In um, so we had a I suppose it was an Apple camera. I looked it up recently, I can't remember now, but we had an Apple digital camera in ninety three or four. Brilliant. And I would go in, we had Photoshop one or two or something. Um and we I would go into Photoshop and be changing individual pixels because I was like That's this insane. is kind of cool. Um, and then by the time I got to university in, like, 96 or so, it was, you know, things had exponentially. Ex- so, like, I've always kind of messed around with digital stuff. Um, and i I been – I grew up going to, like – well, I didn't grow up, but I like, I got my taste of um, techno and house culture in the Midwest and the U.S. So stuff was, you know, like, you know, I got – I went to university in our beginnings of, like, Went from home to the university and we had a computer lab in my dorm in an art school.
2: Hmm.
0: So it's like, you know, like it was it was very much always about looking forward and looking at technology and seeing what was the best technology you can possibly get, which is what's interesting about AI right now, you know. Yeah. Uh, I know some amazing, incredible photographers are doing really cool stuff with AI. I don't know hmm. how to make it work yet because I'm hmm. still trying to figure out how to make a camera work. But um,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think you are doing a pretty good job with that so far. But yeah,
0: (laughs) I looked at like I opened up, I think Illustrator in the last couple weeks and gave it a verbal command. I'm like, yeah, that's not bad. Took three or four minutes to you know extrapolate the ideas, and I was like, yeah, I like being able to like use my Wacom tablet or my camera and. Like, but it's like, again, yeah, you know, people were suspicious of digital technology, and eventually, that's all we use. So it'll it'll that's find true. a way to. I've <laughs> found chat Chat GPT is kind of incredible. Or see, you know, that is amazing for writing proposals. Hmm. Um, like I write stuff down, and then I can forget about it, come back to it, and edit that, which the chat thing has come up with. Like. Hmm. We're in such early stages of it that we don't really understand it. It's the best way to put it. In terms of the way we do everything, right now we're just beginning to work it out. So,
1: yeah. So what are your thoughts on photographers that take digital images but edit them to look like film images?
0: Yeah, I mean, I get to, you know, as somebody who's had a full-time job for many years and decided to be like, "Mm, yeah, let's just be poor instead. (laughs) um i get the um i get the follow your passions done too much of the stuff you don't really care about um i get that how convincing that actually is is another question i don't know you know Um, i remember being really annoyed when instagram first came out um first of all you couldn't plug in a real photograph you had to use your phone Secondarily, it was like you had to use what five different presets. So I was like, these mm. are horrendous. Um, and I think it was about the same time as Lightroom gave the ability to like plug in presets and what have you. Um, it's like I've never been one to want to pervert the pro- photographic process, if that makes mm. sense. Um, a camera is a camera. It's kind of a documentary process, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I want to make an illustration, I use Illustrator, you know. Uh, which I generally don't. I'm like I make logos and I make other things, but like if I'm designing things, I use Illustrator. If I want to document something,
1: I use a camera. Right? So, do you feel like you have a certain visual style?
0: Yeah, I would say so. Um, I feel like people could link even some of the design work that I've done to the photographic work that I do. There's a minimal, there's a minimalism there. Um, I, hopefully it's about, you know, leaving stuff out as opposed to including too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I mean, I'm a big one for, I don't know, like, I mean, originally like coming from being an abstract painter, I was like, all right, I want my photographs to be as abstract as they can. Um, and I actually recently started a, another Instagram account because, yes, I need another one. Um, but like, just about architectural abstractions, which is one of the first things that made me want to take photographs, right? So, it's just about experimenting and being able to go, right, you know, this you, you can try this out for six months and then forget about it, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I have a pretty established style with the stuff that I do. I'm not, you know, I'm not Bill Henson from an Australian perspective or I'm not, you know, Jeff Wall or what have you. Hmm. But I like, I sell the prints um, and I feel like I can mess around and just play with things.
1: Yeah, gives have the ability to be able to do new stuff and try new things without boxing yourself into a certain place.
0: Yeah, my friend Dan Avard is an amazing photographer. He does like, he was a commercial headshot portrait photographer for years, and now he's doing an MFA. And so he's like, you know, wow. I went to his show over the weekend, um, and he is just like does crazy stuff in the best kind of way. You know, like he printed one of his hu- he printed one of his images onto a I can't remember the dimensions. It was like two by three meter piece of chiffon. You know, wow. like was hanging in the gallery space on Friday night. It's cool, you know? That's cool. I don't don't be too tied into things. Like just
1: enjoy it. Um, do you ever worry about repetition of imagery? Like you're, you're shooting do you ever feel like you're shooting the same image over and over again? Oh, hundred um, percent.
0: but I mean having like I mean I spent time doing life drawing um, and like you just shoot you draw the same model. Two minute poses for an hour. 30 drawings of the same person. Um, and photographs are not the same, but you can still adjust lots of things. you yeah? And like, I mean, I did a portrait what, two weeks ago. I did a local, did a shoot for a theater group. I shot 12 headshots in an hour. Um, and I hadn't done anything like that for a while. I was like, all right, underexpose, overexpose, and then mess around. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um, and, you know, like, a lot of it is just ex- is experimentation um, and tr- just trying to figure out. It's problem-solving, like a lot of stuff. Uh, you just got to figure out what you're doing, figure out what makes sense, uh, know what the end process is. If it's a book or an exhibition or a theatre program like just kind of get it done
1: figure out how it works the best um so do you work on a lot of long-term series like why is that i don't know
0: um maybe because i've sort of bounced around the world quite a bit um i've moved a lot i've lived in a calculator at one point i've lived in like 19 plus different abodes in 45 years that's the same. Um, so it's like I just like I, like. It's not that I ever feel um, tethered but like place is kind of important. Um, yeah, and some places really speak to me. Like being in Berlin really speaks to me. Being in Tokyo really speaks to me. Parts of Melbourne really speak to me. Um, and so, like capturing those places is 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 part of
1: the process. You know? And it's just the idea of document over a long period of time so that you can see the changes. Yeah. Yeah. But do you ever work on any kind of short series? Uh, I did make a
0: book, the one-day photo book thing. Hmm. Um, So I had a coffee with a friend and they had nothing on. I just kept on shooting. By the time I got home at 9 o'clock or something, I had basically 80-ish photographs. By midnight, I'd sent the book off to a print-on-demand publishing thing, and within two weeks, I had a book on my front doorstep. Wow. You know? That's so okay. cool. You know, I almost feel like I need to do that again soon because it was just like, there's no bullshit. There was no messing around. Was just like, make pictures, see what happens. And that was about 10 years ago. I feel like I know my camera's better. I know, know
1: the way everything works better. I could make more interesting photographs. So what is your organization like when it comes to creating work? Like, Do you edit work as soon as you've shot it? Do you sit on it for a while? Do you come back to it after a few years? Generally, I photograph and then it's done.
0: Um, I will go through, like I'll finish shooting in a particular place and I can go through my camera on the back and just delete a bunch of stuff. I'll come home. I might back up the entire thing somewhere else just in case. Um, but like, and then I will come back to the end of that process and have like maybe, maybe maximum five or six images. Definitely edit a couple up pretty quickly. Again, back up the short list so they're all kind of safe. Um, so you can come back and look at things in a couple of weeks or a couple of months. Uh, but like, I don't sit on stuff long. Um, uh, mm. often, I mean, there's a bunch of, there's a three or four people I've worked with on regular basis over the years. And sometimes it's like by the time they get home, I will have posted an, an, an image on Instagram already It'd be edited, ready to go, done, finished. Wow. Uh, because I don't put a huge amount of editing into the process. Um, hmm. uh, I figure out a lot of stuff in camera. If I don't know what it is, I'll figure it out. Um, but I don't rely too much on Photoshop. I don't rely too much on Ill- on anything. I try and get get a writing camera is the most important thing.
1: Um, yeah, so I was going to ask you like, how do you choose how to edit your work if you're going to edit it?
0: Minimum intervention to use a wine to use a wine term. Um, but I try and stick it as close to what it looks like in that camera as I can. Mm. Um, and generally, I will have played with you know ups and downs and the basic nuances um if i've blown a highlight it's kind of game over you kind of got to use a different image Hmm. um i really try not to mess with stuff too much um generally i know what i'm shooting so i can dial it in after a little bit of messing around and get what i want if it's i mean i don't really do a lot but like I was trying to do some traffic-long exposure stuff recently because I hadn't done it for years. I was like, all right, first two minutes of messing around were kind of crap, then got it right. I'm like, it's not what I want, but I can do that. I know I can do that. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I don't rely too much on editing. It's all about like knowing that I can get the image that I want.
1: Up here, looking at all the stuff. That's interesting because I feel like, we live in a society that's very like, Instagram filter, it's very like, oh, heavy editing. It's very like, is this a photograph or a painting? It's, you know, and it's not a bad thing because there's a lot of photographers I know, especially great work that is very beautifully edited, but it's also very far removed from what the original image was.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've been fascinated. one of my favorite photographers is uh, a guy called Marcus Lair. He's in Berlin Um he makes nuts. Long exposure industrial stuff in really cool parts of Berlin, and like he's—if I'm not mistaken—I'd have to check all the bits and pieces—but he's getting ready to do a, like a mid-journey exhibition. Hmm. So he's given Midjourney a bunch of prompts, um, and I think he's making prints out of it and hanging it somewhere. But like, good on him! I don't know how he does it. Like I like his photographs more, but I still understand knowing his images as I've known them for a whole bunch of years, um, I totally see where he's going. It's just a different, it's a different creative extension. And I don't think at this point, we've been doing it long enough where we can say it's, we certainly can't say it's bad. Why is it not a good thing, you know? And Nick Barkworth's doing the same thing. Like he's got a whole bunch of mid journey stuff that he's working on. And like, it's certainly not his photographs, but don't hate it, you know?
2: Hmm.
0: I'm a documentarian. I mean my favorite films to watch are somehow based on documentary. Um and photographically it's the same. Like this is probably why I make the books that I make and all the other stuff that I make. You know? So what is the biggest challenge of being a photographer? Um, trying to find a way to when I mean, this Every city, be it London or New York or Melbourne, has cliches. Yeah. And many, many layers of cliches. And trying to find a way to escape those visual cliches is a real challenge. Uh, It's like you can go on Instagram and search the hashtag Melbourne Photography and all these things will come up. And a lot like, not all of it, but some of it will be repetitive images of, you know, Flinders Street Station or what have you, and trying to find a way to uniquely present the place that you're in is is an interesting challenge, you know. Um, Look, I'm working on this exhibition right now, and it's probably going to be a thing where I literally pump it out in like four days Um, because the ideas are in my head. I just got to go and make the images, but like – it's it's called edgelands. It's watching our city expand because it's changed so much on the edges, as opposed to being on the more inner city sort of vibe. Mm. Um, so seeing how that works is is a real challenge. Um, like sometimes you got to put yourself out of your little comfort zone and make some pictures which you're not used to making.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it's always I think also a big challenge is when you have an idea for a project, it's like how are you going to photograph that project? Yeah. I've come back to my high street project
0: and I'm actually thinking, I mean, sure, there's a book sitting there which I could just produce Hmm. probably within a few weeks. But I'm actually beginning to go, all right, so they're unpeopled. Maybe I need to integrate some portraits of people who've lived in that neighbourhood for X amount of time and give that a second book in three or five years, a different dimension to it. Um, every place got an angle, and sometimes it's people, sometimes it's buildings, sometimes weather, sometimes it's yeah. I mean, there's like lots, there's lots of aspects to everything. Um, just See, depends that- on what you choose.
1: depends on what you choose to focus on when you're making your pictures. Um, See, that's actually really interesting because when I was in. I was in Brighton in July. So I was in Brighton. And when I was in Brighton, I was obviously shooting images, as you do. But I kind of, when I was there, I was kind of thinking like, I'd love to create portraits and have a book. So I was thinking about it, which is funny, because I don't think in terms of books. But I was like, it'd be cool to create like a book, go to like some kind of seaside resort, that's like a popular seaside resort, whether it's Blackpool, whether it's Brighton, and talk to the people there. And take pictures of the people there and ask them why they're here and ask them about the place. Because I feel like for me, Going to the seaside is cool because I don't live near the sea and it's a very alien place. But it's also nice sure. to kind of get a gauge on like the people there who live there. So it's funny you say that about yeah. people because I feel like if you shoot images of places, I feel like people are like the next extension, I think. It's almost kind of like that's going to yeah. be the next logical step. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like, I mean, I've only come to that in the last five years and in 20 years of making photographs, like that's mm. a pretty new thing for me. Um, mm. And again, going back to that, and I was talking about, about like, you know, kind of accidentally taking a photo of a guy buying a porno a bunch of years ago. Hmm. Like people are pretty particular about like making, having their photograph taken. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I remember being in the U S in on a train in either Washington or New York with my eight, then 18 month old daughter, and all these people just coming up and going, we take your photograph of your kid. And I was like, screw you. Don't take a <laughs> That's just weird. So, yeah. like, um, I get why people don't want to be photographed. Um, but also, like, I mean, I would never publish a photograph of somebody unless they were a part of the process. Yeah. Um, but having, a, like, I think I learned that lesson about, again, 15 years ago. I had a exhibition in a place I was working and, like, it was, it was called People in Place. I did it with a hmm. friend, friend, Robert Young, Um and he we basically just took photos of people in the city. And somebody walked into the restaurant and said, that's my friend. I was like, holy shit, it's three million people. What are the possibilities? Um, yeah. But, like. Nobody was stressed out about it, but it's always made me very conscious of sharing photographs of people, particularly printing photographs of people. Um, unless they're paying me to do it or it's it's a process, Like you've got to be careful.
1: Um, I think it depends on how you approach the person and the situation, I think. Yeah. Because if yeah. you make it very obvious at the start, like let's just say you're creating a photo project that might be a photo, a photo book and you say to them, you know, this may be a photo book, your well, your photo may be printed, and you get there, like, maybe they get a contact details or something, and be like, oh, this is going to be like, a mock-up or whatever. Although saying that yeah. like, could be, it could get quite messy if you have a lot of people, but it's kind of like, I think, yeah, you have to, I do agree, like, you have to kind of figure out the nuances of, like, permission and consent when it comes to pictures of people, I think. Oh,
0: really? right. I mean, I actually had a, I met through my then day job, I met an IP lawyer, Um, I actually really need to. I have a card somewhere, I really need to engage her properly because at some point I'm sure I run into some issues. Um, Hmm. right now I tend to work with smaller groups of people, um, and like and I tend to avoid images of actual people, but you need to be careful because people are sensitive about this stuff, yeah,
2: of course. Um, um, But then again, when you like.
0: One of the, the one of the first books that I read when I came to Australia twenty-five years ago now was about Australia has some of the strictest privacy laws in the world. Like mm. there's no outdoor surveillance. Whereas in the UK, you actually yes. have big brother like George Orwell oh. I wrote about.
1: Yeah, 70- I was gonna just say, yeah, I was gonna say it's funny that people are wary of cameras when you take like when you take a camera back, people look at you. Well, like when you carry a camera yeah. down the street, people look at you. But we're here in the UK, especially, we are yeah. always on CCTV, you can't escape
0: it. Whereas, I mean, cameras like everybody's got a camera. My 15 yeah. year old daughter's got a camera, and my mother has a camera who's 72. And yeah. you know, everybody shoots photos of people all the time. But like when you bring out a suddenly, you bring out a real camera, it's a threat. It's
1: oh, yeah, really yeah, people give you. <laughs> very strange look when you're walking down the street with the camera yeah. which is what I've got. Yeah. The either the, the graphic
0: the, design, the yeah. graphic designer and slightly like possibly dodgy guy goes I'll just I'll just in design up a a chunky press pass and be like I'm I'm with the press what do you want. Yeah. Haven't done that. Probably could do that wouldn't yeah. do it but no. like that's the kind of thing that gives that gives people like when you dress up in a police uniform, are you suddenly a
1: cop? The problem is that I feel like when I'm out and about with the camera, people either look at you weirdly, but they avoid you. It's kind of interesting, actually. It's kind of, yeah. in- I just find like, it's really interesting because people just like stare at you like, what you're doing, and they just avoid you completely because they don't want to be on camera, which I think is funny. Or, they- or they'll harass uh, you and ask you what you're doing. They'll like, either yeah. leave you alone or just ask you or constantly ask you what you're doing, which is annoying either way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just like, People are just not used to seeing cameras.
1: It's a very strange thing. Which is Uh, strange. Which is very strange. And also, people act like photography isn't a thing. Yeah. Like, the amount of times I've been asked, like, what are you taking a picture of? Or what are you doing that for? And I'm just a bit like, am I disturbing you? I remember I was shooting an image down a, I feel like an island in the middle of a road at night. And some woman drove past me, reversed, and came back up to me and was like, what are you doing? I I was just like, I'm like, you're driving past. You can keep driving. Like, yeah, I'm literally out here taking a picture of literally an empty space. Yeah. But she was a bit like, oh, I should probably call the police, it's dodgy. And I'm like, no, it's fine. I'm literally taking a picture <laughs> of an empty road. And it's like yeah. when I was in it's like when I was in Blackpool, like there's the pleasure beach security stopped me and they were like, Oh, you've been taking pictures of all these doorways. It looks really suspicious. And I'm like, They look they're really interesting. And they couldn't, they yeah. didn't understand that. Like, I said I'm a photographer, it was like, you know, I'm here on holiday to take images. They couldn't understand why I'd want to be taking pictures of like doorways. You know, I've like, read this.
0: I feel like since, like, just post nine 11, which is that yeah. like, kind of, when I started taking photographs. That's kind one of like that's <laughs> the kind of that. That's thing. Now, as the explosion of the internet was kind of happening at the same time, and um, like you now, you need to. This is why I have business cards and a website yeah. and an identity because it's like I'm not just doing this today. I've got like terabytes of images i've been yeah. doing it for decades um and i can call I'll, i can have you call a politician's office for them because they yeah. will vouch for me yeah. um like because a lot of people who aren't in the little world that we live in just don't get it
1: yeah um, yeah and i always forget how suspicious it actually probably does look yeah i always forget i'm sorry you- yeah I'm packing a maybe an 85
0: mil lens, probably a 50 mil lens. I don't have, I sold all my zoom lenses years ago. Like I use prime lenses and that's hmm. what I use. Imagine these people who walk around with three or 450 yeah. mil lenses doing stuff like that's definitely a bit dodgy. Hmm.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, I, I always forget like one, <laughs> particularly at night, if you're wandering around at night with a camera, it does look a bit dodgy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time it's like your intentions are honest you're not you know and i feel like
0: i've got a website and yeah hundreds of years of night
1: photography to be like
0: yeah you, you got this is timing it's, i need to get yeah. some
1: business cards actually that's a good idea actually that i need to do that so i'm just like oh no i'm a photographer and then just run off
0: yeah no like that's something i read years ago on probably Flickr or something going just mm-hmm. have business cards It'll yeah. shut people up very quickly because the business means that you show that you're important. Uh, not important, but you take it yeah. seriously. Like,
1: yeah. Good um, point. I'm going to actually invest in that. That's a good idea, actually. The
0: and guys at Moo, print in the UK, do oh, yeah. amazing
1: work. Oh, absolutely. The business cards I've had previously are from Moo. They're really good. They're such yeah. a good business. Such a good business. I put a whole lot of
0: postcards through them and, like, I will wait for the shipping from the
1: UK. Oh, that to must
0: to be a stupid. long time. Oh, it's, yeah, it's like over two weeks. It's stupid. Uh, but they make really, the paper is amazing. Um,
1: try and get a, try and like hit them up, see if we can get some plugs out of it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> actually, that's actually not finished. that. one thing that I need to actually do for the podcast is sponsors. I need to think yeah, about totally. who, I need to think about, if, if I was going to have sponsors or whatever, I'd actually want to have sponsors that I'd actually use. People that I actually... Yeah you know like businesses that i'm actually interested in so actually that's a really I mean, good a few years ago i had a
0: um so my again going back to my weird weird connections around the world but my cousin or no my mom my cousins my mom's cousin's daughter was chief graphic designer of vogue in london
1: oh that's insane uh,
0: and she came out here and we, we were like you know she lives somewhere like other end of the country now, but like we had an exhibition together and like we Um, just sat down brainstorm stuff and like we got like cases of free wine because we literally just like put a wine company's, um, logo on our website. uh, Um, and on the like, and so like using all those, using the connections and all (laughs) that sort of stuff makes a huge difference. Um, See,
1: that is interesting because I have a, a really good artist friend very very recently who is just as a joke he emailed a bunch of brands so he can draw images for them because they're really great illustrator and they all actually responded yeah. well a lot of them responded to him saying yeah sure so like now yeah, he's got so himself well, a bunch of work just from literally messaging people uh, yeah, and he and didn't uh, expect yeah. it so
0: I volunteered my photography portrait stuff to politicians and they pay you five hundred bucks for two hours work.
1: Nice. That's decent. That's very decent.
0: <laughs> That's so cool. It doesn't work every day, but it, like, whatever happens, yeah. like, it means you got to like. I'm mean, gonna I have ai have an Excel spreadsheet of hundreds of companies yeah. and people. my like, every couple of days, I just send out a thing. um yeah.
1: And sometimes yeah. you
0: volunteer stuff, but other times you're like, no, you need to pay for it. Yeah. I and mean, some people of like no. You get it, other times you're like. When I did the theater stuff over the last month or so, and they like that was a volunteer thing. They were they were grateful. I was grateful. Um, But it's like other people. It's like it's going to cost you two hundred bucks. Other people, it's going to cost you a thousand bucks. It just depends on the size of your company and how it works and how it works for everybody. You know? Yeah, I'll
1: get into that. Actually, it was stupid question as a teacher might say. You know, know, actually, i have got to look into that. I feel like. I'm at a point now with a podcast especially where like actually that wouldn't be a bad idea to think about actually. Yeah. 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 I mean, actually, i gonna think about that.
0: See if I was in if I was doing a podcast here, I'd be like, all right, I hit up the the guys, image science, who does my print who's done a lot of my printing, hmm. or Mule with the paper, or yeah. MVP, who does the who's printed the the PBN books for me. Um, or you know, like there's all these different companies, and you use so many different people to get all yeah. this stuff done.
1: Right? Yeah, yeah, uh, that's cool. Like, that's such cool. I'm gonna think about it. Yeah,
0: that and like I need to recover. I need to think about that again myself. Yeah. Just you to should. readjust list. You know, it's a
1: big thing. Right. So I have a question for you from the last person I interviewed. I technically have two questions because I've interviewed somebody else since. But I'll ask you the question that I originally sent you, but I'll ask you another question also. So right, the questions. Okay. So one question is from a really cool artist called Nazi Young, who actually, I think you'd really like his work. I think it'd be really up your street. So his yes. question for you is, if you could create the ideal space to present yourself and your work in, what would that look like?
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm going to go back to my like sort of Midwestern roots from the US, uh, which also links up to Berlin on a musical level. Um, and there was a place in Berlin for many years which I got to visit called Tackleys, uh, probably not quite the right pronunciation, but um, basically an old, old building which is repurposed into artist studios. Cool. Um, and so it was like typical Berlin, like six to eight stories, like a lot of particularly London and other parts of you know, Europe are um but like an old repurposed industrial building into a cool sort of trove space um definitely like kind of edgy a bit dark um gotta have some music gotta have some booze um yeah not necessarily a pristine white gallery would mm. be what interests me um bit of a contrast to the show that i'm going to have in this architecture firm in about six or eight weeks because that's totally like a beautiful pristine space but Mm. yeah like it's good to be able to mix stuff up and mess stuff around you know
1: yeah absolutely i think it's such a good idea i think the presentation of the work especially in person is so important
0: mean i've like what i really love to do at some point i've thought about a few years i just never get around to it's just like you know really almost duo turning something in Photoshop and then going to a photocopy place and making flyers and putting thousands of them or hundreds of them around the city. Mm. Yeah. Uh, The way we have now with QR codes and whatever else, like you can build a whole thing around that. You can have an exhibition in the street and if you build it properly, it doesn't matter. Uh, That's a good
1: idea. That's a really good idea actually using the outside as an exhibition space and especially here
0: we have this crazy street uh art situation where there's street art everywhere and like you can
1: tap into that um yeah Yeah. that's interesting actually that's a really good consideration actually in terms of how you can utilize what's already there as opposed to having to buy a space or rent a space out or having to kind of like you know, spend yeah. money doing something that's going to only be temporary when actually you could use what's already around you in a way that's you know legal and safe and, and you know uh, correct.
0: Doesn't necessarily have to be legal, but can I know, safe. yeah, like, yeah, but safe and uh, yeah, yeah. This is the most important thing: legal. Yeah, maybe not so much, <laughs> um, but like you know, basically, you don't want to be out there and harming people. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, that's the real key to anything: is not harming people. But like you can, you can. I mean, I, I'm begin, I got a postcard, actually, I wouldn't call it a postcard, it was a black and white A5 piece of paper that had been photocopied about some people who were doing uh postcard distribution in my neighborhood. Hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So now I'm actually, I got a job distributing postcards, so basically, I'm gonna get paid to wander around distributing postcards and they're going to pay me it's not a lot of money but it's just like i get paid to wander around with my camera and take photos mm-hmm. and stuff it's um, a dual
1: purpose yeah there's there's an alternative yeah. motive that's going to actually benefit you um,
0: i don't want to like i've had the same job for the same amount of time i don't want to do that all the time yeah just figure out a different way to make things work um so you know that's i'm going to explore that over the next couple of days and just see where that goes
1: um yeah yeah. So giving yourself the time and the options to explore different things.
0: Yeah. Which like I think going before COVID, everybody just like work all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, definitely been I'm a just, shift. There's definitely been a shift. Yeah. No, but, I'm just like, I don't want
0: to work all the time. I want to do something that's more interesting.
1: Um Yeah, so, I'm whatever. definitely at that point. I'm definitely at that point in my life right now where I'm like, I don't want to be working all the time. Yeah. Well, if I'm happy to work all the time, but I want to be working on what I want to work on. Yes, that's what I mean. You want the work to be something that you enjoy doing, that you can get paid for, but it's also like you're not working. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: um, so finding a way to make that work is, is really Yeah.
1: So I have a second question, which is from the last person I interviewed, an artist called Emma Kaff. And her question for you is, what is a photograph? What is a photograph? Oh, wow. Okay.
0: So photograph is a digital or physically based image created with light because photograph is going back to, you know, classics and what have you. Photograph drawing with light. Um, and I think there's lots of ways to diverge from that. I mean, you look at something like Man Ray, you can do, mean, like I did at one point, When I was doing some study, I did – I can't remember what it's called anymore. But, you know, you would drop a whole bunch of objects onto a piece of photo paper, expose it, then pull them off again. Like that – I don't know if that's a photograph or not. But drawing with light is really the key. It's like that's the most strictest definition of what a photograph is. Um, But finding a way to push what you take photographs of is really the challenge. You know? hmm. um, I bought a flash recently and I'm looking at like and some reflectors and bits and pieces I've got some empty beer cans some point in the next week or two I'll just take photos of that
1: because I is, like beer and I like photos and we'll see where it goes You know, is there a certain subject that you would like to photograph that you haven't done yet
0: yeah like that's I mean I do feel like there's an amazing possibility like the political and sort of social power of photography and the documentary photography and being able to go to a place like be it syria or I don't know, north korea or somewhere like that iran and be able to document what goes on in those places and be able to help people i think is a really important thing um yeah, like I mean, I feel like a lot of what I do is a bit self-indulgent, <laughs> um, of and it'd be good to it'd be good to find a way to have a more socially aware reason for making photographs. Um, I don't want to just take photographs of homeless people because that also seems slightly abusive yeah. on some level. Yeah. Um uh, but finding the right socio socio social reasons for making the pictures to bring people's plights to the attention of the people who can possibly make a difference about them is a really important thing. Yeah, You know, think about homelessness. We have a massive housing crisis in Melbourne. Our yeah. um, population you know, have ballooned by like 200% in 20 years. Um, nobody's keeping up with producing houses. So there's lots of homeless people. Um, yeah. So finding a way to bring their apply into it's already a part of the discourse, but be able to better what they have would be really important. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's a social, it's a social documentary, it's a social course kind of situation. I
1: be really you know? So I think it's a great I think it's a great idea personally. I think so it's nice it's nice that you want to do something with your work that is for people who are less fortunate and or to raise awareness of something as opposed to just always being self-indulgent not that there's anything wrong with being self indulgent i don't think there is personally but i do like the idea yeah. of creating change got be
0: like you can't do, you shouldn't just be doing one thing i suppose um hmm. there should be a positive force behind it as well as just being there you know, to be pretty or enjoyable or whatever right hmm. like, um you know we have environmental issues and we have social issues and finding a way to deal with those is Sure as I haven't figured it out, but I would very much like to. So, do you have a
1: question for the next artist interview?
0: Oh, hopefully I'll put this in my uh, my email, but <laughs> I might have to get back to you on that one.
1: Um, okay. Yeah, you did. You did uh, put something in here. You put, is there an art form you've always dreamed you've always dreamt to try? Right?
0: One. Yeah. Yeah. This is like yeah, that's a good point. Like I have lots of people I know who have. Only ever done one or two things, um, mm. and I've done a lot of
1: different things. So yeah, okay, yeah, that's a that's a good one. Oh, cool. I'll back on on that. That, um, that perfect. I'm about to say no, you did. I've got it here. I was like, because mm. mm. that's the, the one question. That I'm like, if I ask anybody a question, if that's the only question I ask you in the next two hours, it has to be that question because it yeah. it's like a link from like that's I it, don't. Is it created? A... That creates a narrative thread across everything you're doing. Absolutely. And I can reference you in the next interview. Although last time I did an interview with Emma, I completely forgot to ask her. And I had to text her after and be like, could you send me a question? Because I've got an interview in about two days. And I was like, I need a question. Because uh, yeah. I forgot to ask her in uh, three hours we were talking. I completely forgot to ask her. And I was like, oh, I didn't ask you." Even though it's highlighted, it's the only thing that's highlighted that I should have realized myself. Um, yeah, yeah. So I only got about three more questions left, just so you are aware. okay. Cool. aware. Yeah. So, Sounds good. Why has creating art taught you about yourself?
0: Oh, that's interesting. Um, what is uh, that's quite hard. Um, look, I do surprise myself um, sometimes. you Just got to experiment and see where it goes. Um, again, it kind of goes back to maybe the talking about that like one day photo book that I made. Sometimes you can't be too precious about what you make. You just got to do it, um, yeah. And I've, I'm like, I've, I think a lot of what I did for a long time was just about making one kind of photograph, hmm. which is fine because you know most people, yeah, like it is what it is. But it's like there's a lot of aspects to photography, and you can continue to learn for the rest of your life. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I, and this is why I have. You know, this is why I happened upon this is why I bought lights. Um, because I'm like I saw them on I saw them on Facebook Marketplace. I'm like, that would be interesting. Um make you explore different things and certainly different places. Um and I've deliberately got on trains or buses and gotten lost in my own city just to make pictures.
3: Yes.
0: Um, absolutely. And I've done it in lots of other cities as well, but I do it here more often because this is where I am. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Very relatable, actually. That very relatable. Um, So the second to last question, which is, what would your younger self think about your work? Yeah, good question.
0: Um, I feel like I've been pretty impressed. Like, I love the evolution of being able to give myself um but i have somewhere around i have a photograph i took in france in 2003 um it pretty much 20 years old um and there's still a rep there's still this like i have a vision and i think going that goes back to you know paul from Sachi and Sachi, um mm. you know 30 odd years ago like I know, what I'm, I know what I'm quite good at making. Um, and it's not thing because, you know, nobody likes everything. Um, yeah. But I have – I believe in the work that I make. Um, I love what I make. Um, when I have a vision, there's a, there's a style that I have and I like making those photos. And that's what is also reflected in the books that I make and all the other bits and pieces that I do, like, I have some sort of background as an aesthetic backbone to what I'm making um, and that's from you know, 40 plus years of messing around with stuff
1: um, Yeah, yeah that's absolutely awesome, and the last question which I'd be glad to know, which is <laughs> I always tell to people and everyone's like, yeah, and I'm like you don't want to say yes, that's funny, people was always like, yeah I mean, five hours later, people are like, yeah, I'm fine <laughs> so <laughs> So the last question is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work?
0: I'm currently working on my website. Uh, yes. Which I, which I haven't had for a while. Um, it may be done in any day now. Um, if you stay tuned to my Instagram account, mm. you'll definitely see when it's ready. Um, but I'm also working on, I'm very close to finishing a, an urban book, um, which is focusing on the features of a photographer called Doug Goldrick in Chicago um, and a whole bunch of other people from around the world. Um, also, I'm doing some graphic design studies, so I'm kind of trying to finish that, which seems funny at age 45, but, you know, that's good, qualifications. Um, so, yeah, yeah. The, I have plastic exhibition Jesus, I'm doing way too much. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, those four things. That's enough. Um. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. No, absolute pleasure. I had a blast.
1: That concludes my conversation with photographer Andrew Wester. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about it, please send me an email at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via social media sites such as Facebook and Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can be found on a variety of sites, such as Spotify, YouTube and Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of these platforms to help spread the word. Also, please don't forget to check out theflyingfruitbowl.co.uk for daily art inspiration. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast now also has a Patreon page if you're interested in supporting the platform further your out for £1, and more information can be found over at patreon.com forward slash the theflyingfruitypar. Additionally, if these donations are not your thing, we have a PayPal for one-time donations. I'll include a link in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening today, folks. Until next time, please stay safe.